Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Do you need heavy equipment or farm equipment? Look no further than Southern Equipment and Parts in Laurel. We have a wide selection of new and used equipment from many top brands. We also offer parts, service, and rentals. Whether you're a contractor, farmer, or just need help around the house, we have what you need. Southern Equipment is your one-stop shop for all farm and heavy equipment. Visit us at 5237 Highway 84 West and southernequipparts.com or call 601-651-4555. Well, pre record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. Wrap up another week of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state, wherever you're tuned in this afternoon, or if it's online, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Opening segment sponsored uh, by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss and the Eagle Hour, and a great place for you to have a good dinner with your family. Over the weekend, we're broadcasting from the Southern Bank Course Studio in Hattiesburg. Bob and Kelly, uh, Danny Rapman, former great kicker for the Golden Eagles, joining us a little later in the show. But uh, we want to get things going right out of the gate today because we're really excited and happy to have former Southern Miss uh, head football coach and now offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens back on the show, Todd Munkin. And coach, uh, great to have you back on our program and always uh, very appreciative of your time. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, lots to talk to you about. Uh, you just, uh, of course, are going to be starting as the offensive coordinator of the Ravens this year after two ultimately great successful years as the offensive coordinator of the national champion uh, Georgia Bulldogs. And I guess the first and obvious question would be, uh, you know, what made you want to leave that position where you had things rolling in 100% your favor uh, to go back uh, to the NFL? Well, great question. Um, I'll be able to answer it a hell of a lot better come January um, after a year. But, um, <laughs> you know, first off, Georgia's a special place, just like Southern Miss is. It was hard to leave. You can't be two places at once. Um, just felt like if I was going to go back to the NFL, I certainly wanted to be somewhere where it mirrored Georgia in terms of uh, organization, head coach, and uh, if it had a quarterback. And obviously, Lamar was not under contract yet, but the anticipation that he would get signed. So if I was going to go back to the NFL, it was going to be somewhere, as I just mentioned, that had the structure, head coach, and then uh, quarterback-wise, it gave you a chance to, to win, uh, you know, at the highest level, not the highest level in terms of, you know, being in the NFL, but Give yourself a chance in the playoffs and ultimately win a Super Bowl. Yeah, the football coach here now, Will Hall. You you may know. I'm not sure, but he talks a lot about you're in a, in a lot of ways. You're as good as your quarterback. You cannot really win big time without having a a really good uh, quarterback. That's the same in the National Football League, right, Coach? For sure. Now you can win. It's just can you win? As Will said, consistently. You know, can you consistently week after week? especially in the NFL when games come down 
number of the games are going to come down to the last possession. You're talking about one score games. So who has the ball at the end of the game? Okay, who has the ball in their hands with a chance to win it? And certainly uh, having the trigger guy, having the ball in his hands at the end of the game is certainly critical. And it's critical at every level. level Will is right. Well, Coach, when you look at the at the AFC, of which the Ravens are a member, and the, the AFC North, I mean, you've got some, some – I mean, the AFC is brutal. When you talk about quality, depth at quarterback, I mean, it's almost like if you win the AFC, you're a prohibitive favorite going into the Super Bowl just based on quarterback talent. It's unbelievable. Well, it sure is a challenge. Our division's a challenge and has been for a number of years. Uh, you know, and the Bengals – then got a resurgence with getting Joe Burrow and obviously the Steelers. I don't know. I don't know if Mike Tomlin's ever had a losing season and then the consistency of, of the Ravens um, and, and the Browns, obviously with Sean Watson, his second year, you know, having a, uh, a full year now to get ready. He obviously wasn't there the whole year last year. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge, let alone, as you mentioned, um, you know, the AFC as a whole with the number of quarterbacks. So it will be a real challenge. I want to talk a little bit back about Southern Miss. Bob and I have always lamented about, you know, we, we just have, argued, have debated as to whether the, the greatness of Southern Miss, like it was back back in the day, air quotes, will ever return because of the, the advantages that the Power Fives have over the, the have-nots. Um, and now with the NIL deals and the transfer portal and things like that. Did the transfer portal, Coach Munkin, have anything to do with you getting out of the game, even though Georgia could probably have whoever it wanted? Not really. The only the only thing I'd say is how much it's changed. I wouldn't even say it was really had to do with Georgia, but Georgia's the offensive coordinator, and you want to be a head coach again. Well, in college, where is that going to be? Well, there are challenges now in terms of, as you mentioned, the haves and the have-nots. That really fun to develop players, and then you get out there. You not only don't get the best players, you know, when you're and then you, you lose your best players, you develop. I mean, if you look at where college football is today, unfortunately, it's become where the haves, it, it had become that haves and the have-nots, and those that are willing to to spend, which has always been the case. But now a player develops. Now you get to where he's at. And, you know, it's hard to blame them for wanting to move on, say, to Georgia or Alabama from where they're at. Um, they've really now become what we have been as coaches. I mean, we created this. I mean, let's, just, let's be honest with it. I mean, the players are now what we were. I mean, I've been a coach for 35 years almost, and I've been in the portal every year. I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, a 1A coach wants to be a 3A coach. A 3A coach wants to be a 5A coach. A Division three coach wants to be a Division two coach. So coaches have always been in the portal. It's just now created where the players now have some of the same leverage, I guess, is the way to put it, um, as the coaches did. And it doesn't make it just the way it is. There's no sense in even Portal by itself or NIL by itself would have been a lot, but combining the two makes it, makes it very uh, very difficult, and we'll see where it goes from here. But uh, that didn't really have as much to do with it as it was. Just the challenge to turn 57. If not now, then when? To get a chance to go back to the NFL, chance to run my own offense, chance to uh, give yourself a chance to be a head coach in the NFL. Can't be a head coach in the NFL unless you're in the NFL. 
Well, there's no question about that, Coach. And you go to a really, I believe, storied franchise, a uh, a franchise that's always been really rugged defensively, got a, a lot of stability with the head coach and uh, and and probably just an offensive coordinator like yourself away from being in the Super Bowl every year. you got to be pretty excited about the talent on the Ravens football roster. Well, for sure. I mean, that was one of the main reasons to come. The, the, the depth chart, uh, the roster, as you mentioned, uh, the structure, head coach, organization, and then the opportunity to, uh, again, when you have a quarterback, that's the biggest thing is hoping that Lamar was going to get signed back. Now, Coach Munkin, you interviewed with the Bengals at one time, and, and you talked about, you know, you've kind of had fun saying that they made a mistake by not hiring you. Now you get to play the Bengals. Is, is there any doubt in your mind that you'll run it up on the Bengals if you get the oh, – <laughs> I don't know about that. Obviously, you didn't make a mistake. I can tell you that. Uh, Zach's done a great job. They've done a great job of drafting. And uh, they're awfully hard to defend and awfully hard to move it against. So they were just a – Maybe a silly mistake last year for beating the, the Bengals. I mean, or beating the Chiefs. So, um, obviously, they've done a great job. But but if you get a chance to run it up on them, well, you will. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't say that. Chance to run it up, I just hope we score enough to win. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear you. No, exactly right. I guess it's a it's a twelve month a year job in the NFL, though, right, Coach? I'm assuming that the, that you're already working on the on plans for the season. For sure. No, you're never really done, even though you have a break, especially being the first year. To me, that's the biggest thing, this being my first year back. A lot of organizational stuff that has to take place, so we're busy or I'm busy still, even when I'm supposedly on break looking at film and getting ready for the year. Yeah. minute left in this segment, Coach Munkin. What's the biggest difference in coaching NFL players and college players? Um. I would say that there's, how do I say this? Um, the levels are different just in the fact that there's more you're responsible for in college. I mean, they're there on campus all the time. You've got, they're at a younger age from a development standpoint, beyond even football, going to class, doing things the right way from a structure standpoint. NFL's more of a job. If you don't get the job done, they're going to fire you just like they will me. Um, definitely much more of a job. I would say that the players in the NFL, um, they're fine. I mean, there's been no issue dealing with players in the NFL. They want to be coached. They want to be great. They want to know that you can help them achieve all of their dreams as a player and individually and collectively as a team. So the only difference is just in terms of, uh, you know, how you deal with them. Obviously, they're older. You're more of a peer terms of how you structured things where in college there's so much more discipline that takes place in terms of getting guys to go to class doing things right treating people the right way developing as a man not the players in the NFL aren't still developing but you you're further down the road you've got a number of guys that are married you're living in a bigger city so it's definitely different all right coach short three-minute break can you stick around a few more questions if you've got time sure all right we're talking to one of the great football coaches in America Todd Munkin we're Really happy to have him back on the Eagle Hour, and we will continue our conversation with Coach Munkin right after this break.
Southern Miss to the top. All right, you know you can hear the Super Talk Eagle Hour podcast anytime you like on Apple, Audible, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or you can just tell Alexa to play the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Campus Bookmart sponsors this segment of the show every day. Great place to buy all of your Southern Miss swag. And I guarantee you football stuff's coming in every day. Campus Bookmart on Hardy Street, campusbookmart.net. We're talking to former Southern Miss head football coach and now the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the great Todd Munkin. And, uh, Coach, let's reminisce a little bit. Uh, 2013, you take over the Southern Miss program. You guys, uh, well, they're coming off an 0-12 season. Uh, you win the last game of the year to go 1-11. And just two years later, you win the Western Division of Conference USA with a nine and five record, seven and one in the league. But I want to go back. I want to go back to the 2013 season when your kids are they're zero and ten, they're behind at halftime at UAB, and yet they come dominate the second half and uh, and win that game. Uh, talk about how big that was, and and I know I've seen the video a hundred times. You were pretty emotional that night. All the kids were emotional. Kind of relive that moment, Coach Munkin. Well, first off, um, as I've said many times, I mean, Southern Miss is a special place. I mean, I've been a lot of places, and I've never been a place that had a a more cooperative spirit amongst everybody involved, from the fans to Anybody on campus, I mean, they wanted to see our athletes be successful. They wanted to see the football program be successful. And even when we were 0-4, 0-5 to start the year, and we weren't very good, I wasn't very good as a head coach, um, I knew it was a special place. And I knew even then, even though we weren't very good and I wasn't coaching very good, but the reality was <clears throat> is that, heck, I don't think anybody understands when you put everything into it and you just think all of a sudden you're going to show up and everything's going to be different. And, you know, we were struggling. I was struggling to do a very good job as a head coach. But to win the last game, somebody that says that being 0-11 or 1-10 or whatever that was, or 1-11 or 0-12, whatever we were, that it's basically the same, doesn't really understand. Doesn't really understand what that did in terms of the juice for the next year. Now, it wasn't – we didn't carry that over as much as we'd like to the next year, but the off season was better. I mean, they could no longer talk about the streak. They could no longer talk about going 0-12 and then how many games you'd lost in a row for such a storied program. And that did carry over recruiting our juice as a staff, our team. And, and we were, we'd already started that that turnover to get it going, and then we had some injuries middle of the year the next year, and then it kind of carried over the next year uh, with a lot of the guys that we recruited and the guys we brought in. Right. Well, I, I think that the next year, 2014, you were 3-9, and nine, but I think a lot of that had to do with Nick Mullen getting injured. Am I not right about that? Well, he did get injured. That didn't help us. That, that sure as heck didn't help. Um, and we didn't play as well as we could have, even with all that being said. So we knew we were getting better. Sometimes it's hard to see when you're around it every day. People would show up, and especially the third year, and say, well, you guys look a lot different. You're a lot different. you know." And I was doing it different. And we hired Zach Woodfin as a strength and conditioning coordinator, did an unbelievable job in terms of uh, helping us in terms of the culture and, culture and developing our players. And we just did it better. We got better um, – schematically we got better 
uh, as players, as a group of players on a roster, and we got better as coaches. Can 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 mid majors coach Monk in the way that things are structured now and the way the deck is stacked? Can mid majors ever play for a national title the way things are set up now? Absolutely not. I I would have said differently a few years ago, but ultimately, I just see across the board more and more of these players that end up leaving. They're either they've either gotten talented enough to where they can go to the next level of the NFL or they get to where they're getting poached an opportunity to play last year in Alabama, Georgia, somewhere else, and there's no repercussions. There's nothing you can do about it. Absolutely nothing you can do about it. Just like you couldn't as a coach. You, you, like I said earlier, basically the players that become what the coaches are. Right now, if a coach at Southern Miss got offered to go be an assistant coach at Alabama, chances are he's going to Alabama as an assistant coach. Or if he can get and go to you know, Mississippi or Mississippi State, he's going to leave and go there. And that's what the players have the opportunity now to be able to do. And so it's hard to – I just think about all the players that we would have had uh, my last year, 15, Jalen Rashard, Edo Smith, Nick Mullins, Cameron Tom, um, Mike Thomas. Keep going down the list of thinking about guys you developed and – would they have been around that last year? The hell, they all played in the NFL. I don't know that. Right. I just know that there was always a separation. I just think that it's it's becoming even greater than it was previously. That's one opinion. Yep. Yeah, right. Right. That, does, that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't mean that Will Hall can't do an unbelievable job in Southern Miss and get yourself into the tournament and and give yourself an opportunity. Um, you know, to play for it. I'm not saying that, or that you can't go and play and upset a Mississippi State or a Kentucky like like a Coach did once I left. It, it that that it's just, and then they're going to go to 12 teams, which means, you know, I would have said years ago if you were a mid-major, the best chance you would have had was for it to be a two-team championship. That's it. You only have to win one game. Um, you only have to upset one team. Well, once you have to, if you don't get one of the top four seeds when it goes to 12, you've got to win a number of games, and it just, in my mind, makes it more difficult. That's where you can look at a one a, a bowl game where there's a, um, say, you know, uh, a chance for a team to upset. But when you have to play multiple games against teams that are probably more talented than you with more resources, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, great example. Even more difficult than it was. Great example of that last year, Coach Tulane beats USC in a bowl game. But if Tulane had to do that two or three weekends in a row, it's a whole different scenario, right? Right, and TCU was like that. TCU, Michigan didn't play their best. Michigan was better, didn't play their best. TCU won. If that had been the one game that it would have taken, they'd have been national chance. But then they had to come play either us or Ohio State. It's just hard just like you said with Tulane, to stack those wins together, um, then you have to create more than just one upset. Yeah. You have to have two upsets. Then you might have to have a third upset. And um, it, this, isn't, this isn't like basketball where you may have a place like Kentucky or Duke where you have, they have a young, talented team. So an older, more experienced team where in basketball where five guys play that may offset it. Well, that doesn't happen in college. You still have, they still have to be there three years. You're never really that, that young. You're young, but you're not that young. So it's still hard uh, with 22 guys playing to, uh, 
to get to that to get to that level of where you have enough players to compete. Because again, you can you can to me when I was at Georgia, the greatness of Kirby Smart, who got it from Nick Saban. This is the way they do it. You fight like heck to get great players, and then you prepare like you don't have great players, and that allows you use every minute of every day to get better. And that's how you stay at such a high level is you don't just assume you have the best players and you just don't take recruiting for granted. And that's the, that's the beauty of what they do. Great, great, great players and assume you don't have them and don't let any stone be unturned and you stay at that high level. You keep your thumb on it and it's fourth and one every day. Uh, from from a football perspective, would you favor a separation of the Power Five and the Group of Five when it comes to college football? I don't. No. I understand why that would happen. I think, um, say you're playing Division One football. The thing is, they once they gave it a name, you've already separated it. To me, Whoa. once it went to Power Five or Group of Five or here are the leagues, without saying it, you've already done it. Right. You don't even have to call it a different level. You, when you say Power Five or non-Power Five, not you. I'm talking just in general. Right. When you mention Power Five, non-Power Five, you've already kind of separated that uh, within the remnant. And television does that. Television already does that. Who they put on TV, um, who they give, the, who they generate the revenue to. Right. Uh, those. When I first got to Southern Miss, or whatever it was, or even before I got there, before I got to Southern Miss, or when I was at Oklahoma State 20 years ago. The facilities between Oklahoma State and Tulsa or Southern Miss and Mississippi State were not that different. The, the budgets weren't as different. Now it's just 20 years later, it's completely different. The facilities are completely different. The revenue generated is completely different. The, uh, the way you can provide for your players is completely different. Uh, the coaches you can surround them with, the support staff is completely different. It's, it's changed in 20 years, 25 years, and what it used to be and what it is today. Yeah, no question. Great conversation with you, Coach. Uh, unfortunately, we're out of time, but we want to thank you very much for coming on our show and tell you, I think you know this, the whole Southern Miss Nation uh, will be will be fans of yours forever and, and now fans of the Baltimore Ravens, Coach. We appreciate your time. Sir. Well, appreciate you having me, guys. All right. Todd Munkin, everybody. Thanks. The, uh, one of the great college football coaches I've ever seen. And, uh, and the guy will, that's going to give the Cincinnati Bengals hell, my friend. Yeah, well, no, that's okay. I, I, I would, the Bengals, I'm sure, wouldn't have it any other way. But I've always appreciated Coach Munkin, too, because he calls you out if you need to be called out, but he does it in a loving way. And if it's on his mind, it's going to come out his mouth. You know, and I respect that. Takes an 0-12 football team, and three years later, they're 7-1 and in their league. They win the Western Division and go 9-5. and Pretty damn good coaching. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and, and look, he said I wasn't very good to start with, but he got better as well. Right. All right, Danny Rapman was always good. He's going to be next on the Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, we want to thank uh, football coach Todd Munkin, now the offensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, much to my partner's concern over here. Yeah. Because uh, he's a good one. I, I, I said as soon as he was hired, I went, oh, no, anybody <laughs> but the Ravens, <laughs> you know? They're already a handful. Yeah, uh, and now you put him and Lamar Jackson together, holy smokes. Yeah. 
Fourth Street Bar Grill sponsors this segment of the show. It's Catfish Friday. It's over now, but I guarantee it was good. I should have gotten down. Did you go there today? I did not, but they are going to be closed, Bob, on the 4th of July. So okay. just a reminder. Celebrating Independence Day. Right. As well they should. Also, I want to thank Noel Daniels Motor Company up in Brandon for sponsoring our program. They've got new Icon carts uh, that they'll deliver right to your house for just $99, no matter where you live in the state of Mississippi. Fine electric vehicles uh, for the neighborhood, the farm, or the golf course, of course. And remember, they'll deliver it to you right here in Hattiesburg for just $99. They always keep a great inventory and always give you the best deal regardless. You can check it out at noeldaniels.cars. Our next guest is one of, truly one of the great kickers in Southern Miss history, a school that has a lineage of, uh, of fine kickers. And and uh, Danny Rapman is, is right there in the group in his three years from 2009 to 2011. He made 73.6% of his field goals. He made 96.3% of his extra points. In 2010, 84% of every field goal he kicked he attempted, uh, let's see here, he attempted 72 field goals in his career and uh, made 53, made 130 out of 135 extra points. And, Danny, I even read here that you made five solo tackles. Is that right? Uh, that may, that number may be inflated a little bit, but I only remember a couple of them, but it's possible, I guess. Well, <laughs> you, you made two in 2010 and, uh, and two and three in 2011. And it also says here that you that you rushed the ball 19 times in 2010 for 19 yards. I rushed it one time. Uh, oh, I see. No, you're right. Three, one time have, for 19 yards. I have three yards. total fakes and two, three total punt fakes is what I have. That, in you're my right. Career. I think I think maybe one per year I played. Well, your your last year you uh, you ran two times, 30 yards a carry. Man, yes, hell, sir. you should have been Pretty in the backfield. Average. You should have been the tailback. Well, with Alder, he wasn't a very big guy. Maybe they just didn't see him, Bob. Maybe. <laughs> I, was hiding. I was definitely hiding behind some guys. You got that right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great career at Southern Miss, man. When you th- when you think back on your career, is there any one moment or two that uh, jumps out at you? Um, obviously, you know, our team was, was, was very good. And um, the whole time I played, the goal was to get to the conference championship and win it. So, Without a doubt, my senior year we won the conference championship, and and um, that was the best moment. I mean, when you're when you're working towards that your whole career, and you finally get there, especially your last year playing, for me, it was just the best way to, to top it off. Yeah. Now you, we uh, had the pleasure of uh, enjoying uh, the super regional, uh, and I, yeah, the super regional with uh, with you and your wife, and. Uh, and one evening I was was reminiscing with you about the, the year that I followed you so closely. You you uh, got invited to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You kicked every field goal in the preseason only to be cut on the last day. And I asked you, how could they justify doing that? And you kind of laughed and you said, they don't justify anything. That's NFL's right. pretty hardcore, correct? They don't have to. They they have their way of doing things, and, and um, they know what they're doing, obviously. Um, so it just I, – I enjoyed the ride. I had some good times there, a lot of good memories and good stories. But uh, for me, you know, I believe everything happens for a reason, and that just wasn't wasn't my place to be. When You know, they always say that, that kickers are kind of a, a, a rare breed, Danny. And mentally, you know, you go out there, and many times the fate of the game – I mean, the weight of the world is on your shoulders. The outcome of the game is on your right foot. 
Uh, you make it, you're in the penthouse. You miss it, you're in the outhouse. Um, I, I just don't know how you deal with that, man. I, I don't know how you how you can have that kind of mindset. How did you how did you deal with that mentally? Now, most of the time, you were in the penthouse, but I'm sure there were some times you were in the outhouse. Absolutely. There's always a time where you're going to be in the outhouse. I mean, nobody's perfect. Um, you know, the first thing you can do is is make sure that you have your team on your side. And, and by doing that, you you put in the work with the team, you know, during the off season, and you train with them and you really gain their respect. So so they know that you're doing everything you can to do your job. And, that, and that's just the step number one. Uh, and I tried my best to do that um, at all times. And that way, when you get into that situation and, and your whole team is relying on you and you do mess up, hopefully they're there to help pick you up and, and tell you, you know, don't worry about that one. We'll get you back in another spot to kick another one, you know. And and I felt like throughout my career that, that I kind of put myself in that position just, you know, through my work ethic and what I did with the team. And that helps a lot because that alleviates a lot of that pressure. You know, when when you know the team's got your back, whether you make it or miss it, it takes a lot of that pressure off of you. Um, now, obviously, it's a pressure situation no matter what, um, and you just you kind of almost have to take yourself out of it, and and it's just one kick. And so, whether or not you're kicking it for the, the game winner, or it's uh, at the very beginning of a game, or the beginning of the year, or or for the conference championship, it's still worth three points. And so, if you can trick your brain into thinking that way as a kicker, that helps a lot. And uh, for the most part, I was able to do that. There were there were definitely times where the heart was beating a little bit faster. I can't lie about that. <laughs> but um, I, you know, I am human. But the more you could trick yourself into getting into that mindset, the the easier it will be. Well, I've coached youth baseball for years, and and any time a relief pitcher, you know, maybe got walked off or something like that, I would always tell the rest of the team that that we owed the relief pitcher an apology because had the rest of the team done their job, the relief pitcher would not have been put in that position. That's right. That's right. And and you could say the same as a kicker, but at the end of the day, that's that's not my, you know, that that wasn't my uh, I loved being in that position. I wanted to be in that position. That you know, um that was what made it enjoyable and having that pressure on you was part of the fun, you know. There there's a certain feeling you got when you cross cross the the white line and get on the field that's really hard to uh, to match that that intensity of that that adrenaline rush. And I'm not sure that many people understand the science behind place hit place kicking because i talked to you're not a big guy man how tall are you i'm five nine all right five nine well that's i mean that's not the smallest guy in the world but it certainly isn't the biggest how how are some of these guys i remember jim breach in the nfl wore a size five shoe but was one of the best field goal kickers in the nfl how how do such diminutive small guys how are they able to kick it so far these days well, it's just a matter of, of having the experience and the talent. I mean, a lot of guys nowadays are soccer players first, and so their leg speed and their leg strength has come from that, and their ability to, to hit a, a ball uh, pretty firmly has kind of happened throughout their whole life, starting when they're young, you know. Um, and, you know, to, to speak on size, I, I guess I guess kickers, in, in my mind, the, the smaller kickers are, tend to be better because – they're a little bit quicker to get to the ball, a little bit quicker to get the kickoff. So the, the time is obviously a factor in kicking. And so the slower you are and the longer you are and the longer it takes you to get to the ball, 
the more likely you're going to get a blocked kick. So some of that factors into that speed. And, and the smaller guys, I guess just the ability to have quick legs and quick feet to be able to get to the ball and get it up is very helpful. So, Dandy, did you start out as a soccer player? I did. That was my main sport growing up. Okay, and, and that's, so that's where you developed uh, your ability to, obviously, to kick field goals and extra points. Yes, sir. Growing up, I had a I had a good buddy. Um, his dad had a, a bucket of footballs, and I don't remember why, but we would go out to the closest football field and kick, you know, 9, 10, 11 years old, and just, just because we enjoyed it. And so we kind of just naturally learned how to do it before we got into actually getting trained on how to do it the right way. It was just something we enjoyed doing for fun. We'd kick them left-footed and right-footed, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever we wanted, you know. And how did you end up at Southern Miss? I actually, uh, my only scholarship offer out of high school um, was to southeastern Louisiana, and I, I, I went there my freshman year. Things didn't work out for me there, and, and I actually just transferred to Southern Miss in hopes to walk on to the football team. And it took me a little while to get on, on the team. I had to do a few walk-on tryouts before I was able to, to get my foot in the door. Once I was, um, it was just a matter of trying to make myself stand out versus the other. I think they had 10 to 12 specialists on the team at that point mm-hmm. and so i kind of had a i had an uphill climb to to stand out between the guys that were already here and the guys that were on scholarship but you actually punted a couple times did you not danny i did um you know um i was i was a fairly decent punter and the idea was because i was the one that was going to run the fakes coach fedora had me punt about once a game or so to try and disguise when we really needed to run the fake the the hope of the opposing team wouldn't pick up on it if they saw I was punting every game maybe they wouldn't know okay is he going to run this time or not we don't know maybe he's just going to punt the ball and that was really the reason behind it we had a good punter while I was playing and he was also my holders Peter Bame he's he's been heavily right. involved the last few years with the uh, M club and everything he's been the M club president last year and he was um, he was a great person to have there, you know, holding the ball for me because he, he did a good job at that. Well, it worked out well. 289 points and, again, 74% of your field goals, 96% of your extra points. Uh, you're one of the best we've ever had, my man, and uh, we appreciate very much uh, you sharing some of those memories with us today. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. I, I love to reminisce, so uh, I enjoyed it, and, and thanks for thinking about me. Our pleasure. Danny Rapman, everybody, really one of the great kickers in Southern Miss history. You overlook those guys. They're kind of like a lawyer. Of course, is there any doubt that... When you need one, you want a good one, right? Is there any doubt that Luke Johnson was the best ever, though, Bob? Well, that's what Luke says, but <laughs> he's not here to, to reinforce that today, but we've heard that many times. He'll be rejoining us soon, we yeah. hope. All right, we're going to wrap up this week right after this. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, what a good show today. Danny Rapman enjoyed that conversation. The great Todd Munkin, who's always been so accessible to us. And, you know, I, I figure if you're the new offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, you're probably pretty busy. And uh, for him to take the time to talk to us, we're grateful to him for that. And I, I'm sorry. And I think that just goes hand in hand with, with what he said, that Southern Miss is a special place. And um, gave him a chance to be a head coach. And to help develop that resume. And look, Bob, you know as well as I do, he's just a few years away from being a head coach in the oh, NFL. It's just inevitable. Yeah. It has to be inevitable. And yeah. I mean, and he really was close to getting that Bengals job. It came down between him and Zach Taylor. 
Yeah. And uh, and he was very gracious to say, you know, what a, you know, mm-hmm. that they they hired obviously Zach Taylor, and Zach Taylor's done a great job with developing the Bengals. So you know, Munkin's right on the cusp. Right. And um, you know, and and the coach that has been there now, John Harbaugh, uh, John Harbaugh. Thank you. Uh, you know, he's been there a while, a long time. Uh, and you don't know, you don't know how long he'll he'll be around. Maybe mm-hmm. Munk will be the next head coach of the Ravens. Right. You, know, you don't know. D1D Bat sponsors this segment of our program. It's a great place to take your children for baseball and softball training. Great place to go get a fitness program of your own. If you're an adult athlete, uh, you can just go in there, tell them what sport you play, and they can design a program to help you. They've got a great pro shop, a lot of cool stuff you can buy, and a very uh, truly state-of-the-art uh, training facilities at D1 and D-Bat. Mobe Beignet, now the 4th of July weekend uh, right here. Be a great place to go this weekend. Uh, enjoy some delicious beignet. You said yesterday they have lemon topping? Lemon as well as strawberry, yeah. Hmm. Have you tried that? No, I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a big lemon guy, uh, yeah. regardless of, of when. I'm, I'm not a big bitter uh, hmm. flavor person. And I've heard a lot of people say the opposite about you, but the, you know, the no, bitter thing. Not, not a big yeah. bitter guy. I like the sweet stuff. I like the sweet stuff, but not the bitter stuff. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> Uh, it's a great place, and uh, the food's wonderful, and uh, we just thank the world of the uh, the young couple there that owns uh, that place. And we encourage everybody to go enjoy some great desserts and really good coffees at Mo Baby. Got a little bit about a lot of things, Bob. Let's start with baseball. Uh, news out of the University of Louisiana. The Cajuns, along with the Bobcats of Texas State, have announced that they will be participating next baseball season in the Houston Astros Foundation College Classic, which is slated for March 1st through the 3rd. That will take place at Minute Maid Park in Houston. It's a six-team college tournament that will not only include Louisiana and Texas State, but guess get this, the other four teams that will be in the field include the University of Houston, the Texas Longhorns, the Vanderbilt Commodores, and the now national champion LSU Tigers. Why don't they get some good teams in this tournament? So, well, Southern Miss not in it. So, I mean, that's that, the kind of tournament I'd love to see Southern Miss jump up in the middle. You of. Don't, and you don't think there'd be some fans to go over to Houston? No, for sure. You know, that's March first through the third. The uh, Astros Foundation College Classic, Louisiana and Texas State from the Sun Belt will be in that tournament. Some other football notes. We mentioned a couple of days ago here on the Eagle Hour that the NFL would be handing suspensions of varying lengths to different NFL players who were found guilty of betting on NFL games. The Indianapolis Colts announced today that two of their players that were indicted in those uh, investigations, Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry, the NFL gave them season-long suspensions for being found guilty of betting on NFL games. Well, today, the Colts gave them their walking papers. The Colts fired both of those players, released them Hmm. based on, quote, preserving the integrity of the game. Both players have been released by the Indianapolis Colts, Isaiah Rogers and Rashad Berry. Of course, if any other team were to pick up those players, the suspension would remain in place, and they would not be able to play this year in the NFL. And Southern Miss 2024, we're just getting ready for the 2023 football season, but bits and pieces of the 2024 football schedule continue to find their way to the forefront. We've already noted that the Golden Eagles will travel to Columbus, Ohio, where they will be at the Horseshoe playing Ohio State 
next mm. year. Mm. Well, it's also been announced that they will be traveling to Jacksonville, Alabama to take on Jacksonville State. That will be one of the road games next year for the black and gold. Now, that's quite a contrast. It is. Yes. It is. And, yeah. and that's a drivable game. You know, that's that's yeah. one that Southern Miss fans could make it to. That's uh, north of Troy, of course, kind of up in the northeastern uh, corner of the state of Alabama. Two home games that have been noted for the 2024 football season will be the Lions of southeastern Louisiana out of the Southland. They will be coming to Hattiesburg. And the Bulls from South Florida will be yeah, making that's a pretty trip. Good one. Yeah, that's a good one uh, coming to Hattiesburg. So South Florida. That's confirmed. We'll be coming to Hattiesburg in 2024. It's almost here, Kelly. Fourth of July gets by you, man. It's, it's always the countdown to football season once the fourth passes. And the 25th and 26th, we're making plans to have media day. We're going to blanket uh, media day down at uh, at the Hyatt in New Orleans, which is where the Sunbelt Conference is, uh, their office, their corporate office is located in New Orleans. So we're going to have comments from coaches and players, all the names that you're going to be hearing about throughout the upcoming Sunbelt football season. That's July 25th and 26th in New Orleans. All right. I want to thank Danny Rapman for joining us. Enjoyed that conversation. And, of course, Todd Munkin. We appreciate uh, Coach Munkin coming on the show as well. Uh, we hope you have a good and happy weekend. Fireworks over here at Temple Baptist Church Sunday night. That'll be great. Try to stay cool this weekend. Be careful. Is it hot outside? Oh, man. Until next time, everyone, Southern Miss. To the top. Into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.